Hello, Revelation Wellness friends. Today we have a teaching for you from our friend and Revelation Wellness educator, Leah Fruth. Leah is here to ask us a vulnerable question. What do your trials say about you? Today, Leah is going to invite us into this question to explore how we handle not only the big challenges we face, but also the seemingly small trials we face every day. And as she unpacks this message, Leah is going to help remind us that our responses to struggles reveal what's truly going on in our hearts. When we face confusing trials, are we turning to God through prayer and hope, or is our response one filled with frustration and grumbling? Friends, I'd love to say that my first response is always one of prayer and thanksgiving, but I can't always say that honestly. So if you can relate, you're not alone. And that's why Together, we are training up our bodies, minds, and spirits as a community through our newest challenge, Project Stress Relief. And as Leah is going to share, hope takes training. Let's be a people on mission training for the struggles that we all inevitably do and will face in the future. Signups are open now for Project Stress Relief, and any donation amount gets you into this challenge. In fact, you can gift this challenge to a friend or a loved one who might be going through some struggles or challenges of their own. Swipe up on the show notes. You can get registered today, or you can gift it to a friend today as well. And please share this message with a friend who needs the tools to help them live out peace and hope that is promised to them instead of the anxiety and stress that the world tells them is just inevitable. Thank you for being here, friends. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Peace. Hello. Hi, Rev family and friends. Hello again. I'm so excited to be here with you all today. My name is Leah Fruth, and I'm a Revelation Wellness instructor and educator and i am beyond honored and excited to be here with you all to share this message that god has given me um it was a hard fought one this week and i know it's because he had something so good for me yesterday and i cannot wait to share that with all of you god has truly truly given me a testimony about stress (laughs) And what we're going to talk about today, training up for the struggle. He's given me a testimony of that and he's given me a message. And that's what I'm going to share with you all today. And I am just honored and privileged to be here. Again, I'm Leah Fruth, Wellness, Revelation Wellness Instructor and Educator. And of course, God would give me this testimony and message and bring me here this week as we're talking about Project stress release, the new fall challenge. Signups are open right now. And of course he'd give me this message at this time um, and put me here in front of you guys during this time. So I'm excited. So if you are feeling stressed and overwhelmed, but don't know where to find relief, if you're looking for tools to reset your body and mind back into the design that God intended, 
project stress release is for you. It's for all of us. It's for me. We're going to talk about more today about if you're stressed and what to do about it and how to train for the struggle. So stick around, but truly this challenge is going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. If you are looking for a fresh start and want to shift your mind and body out of the state of stress and into a state of rest, doesn't that sound? Just that word, rest. <laughs> this is for you. This is for me. This is for me. So I want to get started today. Share this, by the way. Share this message if even just the title got you. Are you trained up for the struggle? Or um, if you know that others around you are stressed, which we all know that people are at a high state of stress in the world today. So share this message. It will be so so helpful, so helpful. I want to get started with a question, okay? And I want you to get out a notepad today. If you have a notepad next to you, get it out. There's going to be a couple things I want you to write down. Um, so get that ready. So here's my question for you today, and I want you to get honest with yourself. What do your trials say about you? What do your trials say about you? I want you to really think about that one for a minute. What do your trials and the way that you are handling them say? I want you to look back at the past week, look back at the past month, even the past year. How have you handled challenges and struggles? Just the daily challenges that come our way. How have you handled those? And how have you handled big trials, big sufferings, big changes? I could go farther into this right now, but I'm going to hold off right here so you can think about that. And if you could, just rate it first, 1 to 10, how you're handling them. Share in the chat if you're willing. 10 being that you are handling them perfectly amazing, at peace, with joy um, that Jesus gives, right? That's a 10. So 1 would be on the opposite end. Absolutely terrible. How are you handling your day-to-day -day struggles and your current struggles right now. I don't want to lead or direct you in your answers to these questions I've been asking because I really want you to think about it because this today is your aptitude test. This is your aptitude test. This is the way we are going to check in and just see how you are doing. Just last week, my son started kindergarten um, and the day before he started, he met with his teacher and for a half hour, they tested him on his letters and other things just to see where he was at, see where he's at with his skills before they begin. This is what we are doing today. But instead of checking to see if you know your letters today, we are going to check in to see how you are doing, how we are doing, body, mind, and spirit. And so if you can grab that piece of paper beside you, I want you to, at the top, write down two challenges that you can think of off the top of your head, two challenges that you've experienced recently. Write them at the top, underline them, and then underneath them, I want you to write how you responded to them. How did you respond to them? Maybe how you responded to them in your actions. Maybe how your body responded in physical sensations. Maybe how your mind and thoughts, what those went to. Or maybe how your emotions reacted. Just make a simple list of how you reacted to those struggles. What your body, your mind, and your spirit is telling you. 
by how you reacted. If you're willing, if you are willing, and I'm going to ask you to step out in this too today, um, if you're willing, share that in the comments. I know from personal experience when people share what they are going through, if they use words to describe how they are feeling or how um, they are doing with life, many times I don't know how my inner life is going. I cannot put words to it. I just feel it, but I cannot describe it for some reason. But then I see someone else's words and all of a sudden I have words to put to how I'm feeling. So this is what we can do today by sharing how we have reacted to our struggles recently. You may help define it for someone else. So as that comes to you, put it in the chat. And while you make your notes and while you, you can keep writing of how you have been reacting to stress and struggle, I'm going to share a story with you. Now, like I said two weeks ago, and I say this often, I'm going to be real. I don't know how else to do this other than being real with you because I consider you my friends. And also because I, the, like the only truly way we get to see how alive and good and incredible our God is in our lives is if we are also willing to share the deep struggles that we have. We cannot see how amazing God is without seeing our struggles. The mountaintop doesn't look nearly as high without the valley next to it. We water God down when we do not share the pain, the hurt, the struggle, or the sin. So here I am sharing a story that still feels fresh, a story that left its mark on me this summer and reopened some past wounds. So I'm asking you to be gentle with me and I'm sharing it today, like I said, to show you how good our God is, but also as my own aptitude test to show you where I've been, where I am now, and where I hope to train to be in the future. At the beginning of July, our family headed out on a road trip to New Jersey for my brother's wedding. I'm the oldest of seven, so I still have some brothers to go. Um, it was a big trip, a nine-hour drive. All three kids were going to be in the wedding, and it was going to be a full, long weekend. My oldest, Jasper, had a baseball game late in the evening, and we planned to leave after it to get a few hours under our belt um, to make it the next day for the rehearsal. We got to our hotel around midnight that night, got some sleep, woke up at 6 a.m. to get on the road again with plenty of time to get to our hotel and time to get ready for that rehearsal that day. Two hours into our drive, I told the kids, put the screens away, we're taking a break, everybody needs some rest, get some sleep for our busy weekend ahead. About 15 minutes later, my husband and I heard one of the kids making some weird noises in the back. I looked back at our youngest in his car seat and he was passed out. So I knew it was our oldest son, Jasper, in the very back seat. And I said to my husband, it's probably simply Jasper being Jasper because he's mad that I took their screens away. He's at that age, so I just blew it off and I kept reading in the front seat. A few minutes later, we heard it again. And honestly, if I'm honest, I just sighed and ignored it not wanting to disturb my other kids who were asleep. The third time I heard it, I looked back and Jasper was staring at me with this blank stare in the back seat. He had spit up or drool all over the side of his face 
And my first reaction, the first thing I said was, Jasper, wipe the spit off, up, spit up off your cheek. Why, why would you not wipe that off? As soon as I said those words, I knew how strange that was. And I knew that something was wrong. I jumped out of my seat into the middle seat. And my first instinct was to have him say his name. I kept saying, Jasper, can you say your name? And he couldn't. He stared at me and tried, but only mumbles came out. Right then, it became a rush of yelling at my husband to call 911, yelling out in the midst of checking on Jasper, God, help him. I just kept saying, God, help him. It was the only prayer that I could muster. He couldn't speak. His one side of his face was drooping, um, and he couldn't move his one arm. I grabbed him and pulled him somehow up over the seat into my lap in the middle. My husband was talking to the 911 operator, trying to figure out where in the world we were in the middle of Pennsylvania on the highway in the middle of the mountains. Had no clue where to tell them that we were. And I looked at my daughter, Ellis, who's eight. I looked at her as I held Jasper and I said, Ellis, start praying. That's all I said to her. And she instantly, in the most authoritative voice I have ever heard, ever in prayer, especially coming out of my eight-year-old, she said, God, we know you can heal him, so heal him right now. In that very instant, Jasper began to talk. He said, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all coming back. I can move my arm. I'm fine. We knew, and I'm not watering down this story, we knew in an instant that we had witnessed a miracle, a miracle right in front of us, a true healing miracle. My husband and the 911 operator decided that we could drive ourselves to the hospital, and God showed up again and again throughout that day. I could go on and on with stories. It would take way too long today of his nearness, his faithfulness, and love that he showed us throughout that day. And since then, Jasper is completely fine. Everything has been ruled out physically and simple explanations have been given. Yet we know, we know here, especially in the Rev family, that God stepped in that day. God stepped in. And I am so grateful. I share this story for a couple of reasons. First, simply to encourage you, encourage you with this miracle story that God is alive and active and that prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. But what I want us to focus on today is our response and our struggles. Our response. What our response can tell us about how we are doing ourselves. It can tell us where our stress level is and how healthy we are, body, mind, and spirit. It also reveals the time that we have been putting in in the unseen with Jesus. The transformation that comes from meeting with Jesus in the secret place of our heart reveals itself in times of struggle. I must say that again. The transformation that comes from meeting with Jesus in the secret place of our heart reveals itself in our struggle. The unseen becomes seen. This event with my son was traumatic. In those short few minutes, I was living out my worst nightmares. Almost 10 years ago, I lost my second parent 
to my mom to pancreatic cancer. And now in this moment with Jasper, I was handling things so much differently than years before. It was noticeable. This time, my instinct was to pray, to cry out to God instantly in that moment. When in the past, my reaction was to question God, asking why and wondering why he was so mean and unfair. Now, I know that he is good and I know he is powerful and loving no matter what happens, that he is the ultimate healer. But this only came out of time, time spent with him in the quiet, learning that he loves me, not just knowing it up here, but deeply feeling and comprehending his love, which built trust. I can trust him because he loves me so well. When we got to the hospital, do you know what the first thing I did? The very first thing I did was text my closest friends to begin praying, to intercede for Jasper and my family. I did this knowing that their first thing would be to go to prayer. They would instantly pray when I texted them because we had built our friendship on prayer and faith and love. I did not have this community when my mom was sick. I had built my relationships on much shakier foundations at that time. And then throughout our time in the hospital, I spoke truths that God was with us no matter what. And he was not leaving us. And we began to point out all the ways that we saw him working. Time after time that day, we noticed him, saw his hand in things. When in the past, I would have only seen the negative. I would have dwelled on how our trip had been messed up. I would have dwelled on missing the rehearsal spending the day in the hospital with tired kids, a lack of lunch, and on and on, I would have seen all the negative. But I did not see any of that. It did not matter because my eyes were on God and what he was doing. I could see all the ways that God had helped us get to the hospital, the way the nurses were being kind and helpful, the way the doctors cared for us swiftly and showed us such concern out of love friends loving on us, family supporting us. This change in thinking came from the training because my natural tendency is not to see the good, but the negative. John Acuff just said online yesterday, fear comes free, hope takes work. Fear comes free, hope takes work. At the end of the day in the hospital, we traveled on. We kept going. We continued our trip to the wedding, tired and worn, but thankful. So very thankful. And the next two days were a whirlwind of activity and fun with family, filled with celebration and extra celebration because Jasper was there and healthy. We were so thankful. Yet I began to notice that I had been holding everything in the entire weekend. Don't we do this when we're surrounded by people? We hold everything in, all the feelings, the nerves, and the anxiety from the scare that we had had. I was holding it in. I had no time or space to let it out. As I've trained the past four years, I've recognized and taken note on how I react to stress. And that's what you're doing right now with your notes, how you are reacting to the struggle. I noticed that I was struggling to sleep that my mind felt distracted and fuzzy and distant. I got lost finding my hotel room that next day. I was 
distracted, fuzzy, and distant. That my body felt nervous, filled with nervous energy. That's when um, I knew. I knew I was holding it in. And then at the end of the weekend, I began breaking out in hives down my neck. And in that moment, it was the warning signal that when I got home, when I got home from this trip, I would need to take time to focus on my body and make space to feel and heal. Here's the thing. (laughs) Years back, when my mom was ill, I had these signals. I had these signals in my body and they got worse. And yet I did not recognize what my body was telling me. Are you recognizing what your body is telling you? As much as I could have been disappointed by the fact that my body was again now reacting to a traumatic event after I thought I had healed enough to get past that, or I could have began telling myself the old lies that my body was failing me. Instead, I took the time when we got home to rest to truly rest, not just numb out, to feed my body with good, healthy food, to go to bed early, super early, getting enough rest, to take quiet morning walks. I took the time to feel all the feelings that I'd been holding in. I dragged myself to prayer group with my women at my church, even though I did not want to go. I vulnerably shared how I was feeling and I spent time in the quiet with God without saying a whole lot, just knowing that I needed to be in his loving presence. I had trained for the struggle and it was showing. It was showing. In the book, Nicole, she says this, I feel that trials do not prepare us for what's to come as much as they reveal what we've done with our lives up to this point. In other words, trials tell us less about our future than they do about our past. Why? Because the decisions we make in difficult places today are greatly the product of decisions we made in the unseen places of our yesterdays. The decisions we make in difficult places today are greatly the product of decisions we made in the unseen places of our yesterdays. Our struggles reveal the unseen past, which takes us back to our original question at the beginning. What are your trials saying about you recently? How have you been handling them? What is your body, mind, and spirit telling you? Have you been training well? What is the goal of this training? I'm going to ask a couple questions. What is the goal of this training? This is what I've come to for my goal. My goal is that I have cared well for my body, mind, and spirit, all three, so that I have the space and peace to run into struggles in my life without getting stuck in a nervous state for a prolonged period of time. And that I have made space in my mind, body, and spirit for union with God. For union with God. What do I mean by space? How do you create space in your mind, body, and spirit? When I'm in a nervous, anxious state, when my nervous system is imbalanced, my body becomes a distraction. My mind is jumping all over the place and my spirit feels restless. In this state, can I be with God? 
Absolutely. He is always with me. He does not leave me. He is always with me. Am I able to be in deep connection with him? It becomes difficult, if I'm honest. It becomes difficult. But as I am able to calm my body, I make space for God. As I'm able to slow my anxious thoughts, I am able to think about him more. As my spirit calms, I am able to better notice the Holy Spirit in my life speaking to me. So do we have to train for this? Do we have to? The simple answer is no. No matter what, Jesus loves you. He loves us. You are his and he has saved you no matter what. But Ephesians 5, 1 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Our goal is to look more like Jesus. And the more we look like Jesus and live how Jesus did, the more space I have for union with God, the more connected I am to him. The closer I am to him, the more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control we begin to have. It pours out of us without us even trying very hard. Because I don't know about you, but that is what I'm willing to train for. That is what I'm willing to train for. Training is different than trying, though. Like I said, it should pour out of us. John Mark Comer says this, following Jesus isn't about trying really hard, but training really hard. Training really hard. We aren't waking up each day and saying, today I am going to be more patient. I've got this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be more patient. We can't do that. We are training in the ways of Jesus so that patience flows out of us flows out of us. Jesus also said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. Satan would love that we stay in the state of stress. He is truly trying to destroy you, destroy me. But Jesus came so that we have life and life to the full. If you are sitting there saying, I love Jesus, but feeling as if there's got to be something more, this life to the full, it's because there is. I'm telling you, there is freedom and life to the full is here now. He is handing it, offering it to us for the taking. So where do we start to get this? If we are in this high state of stress, how do we crawl our way out and this is where we are going to get to some practical steps. How do we crawl our way out of this state of stress that we are in? Number one, first, we must be able to recognize our own stress-related symptoms or signals. We must be able to recognize them. We cannot ignore them any longer. Our bodies are great communicators. God made them to communicate to us. We just have to learn to listen. In the book, Nothing to Prove by Jenny Allen, she writes this. It's some of my favorite quotes from this book. So if I were your enemy, if I were your enemy, I would make you numb and distract you from God's story. Technology, social media, Netflix, travel, 
food and wine, comfort. I would not tempt you with notably bad things or you would get suspicious. I would distract you with everyday comforts that solely feed you a different story and make you forget God. How often, as soon as we notice our bodies or our emotions giving us signals that we are stressed, do we turn to distraction? How often do you feel uncomfortable in how you're feeling and we turn to social media or Netflix or comfort and food? This is exactly what the enemy wants. This is how he wants to steal and kill and destroy. We must take the time to notice what our body's warning signals are. For me, my first warning signals are feeling overwhelmed and trying to control the people and the circumstances around me. I get easily agitated. My jaw gets tight and clenched. I notice I have very low energy. I feel exhausted all the time and I have trouble falling asleep. I've learned to notice these signals, these signs. And if I ignore them, guess what? My body moves on to more severe ones to get my attention. For each of us, it may be different. Each of us might have different ones, and that's why we need to learn to recognize them. There are physical, cognitive, emotional, and behavioral symptoms of stress. I'm going to take the time to list them, and this is where you have your notepad, too. I want you to write down some signals that you are noticing. Take notes of the ones you have been experiencing or have experienced in the past. Physical symptoms can include, and I think a lot of times we blame these on other things when it's actually stress. Low energy. Headaches. Upset stomach, including diarrhea, constipation, and nausea. Aches, pains, intense muscles. Chest pain and rapid heartbeat. Insomnia. Frequent colds and infections. Nervousness and shaking. Ringing in the ears and cold or sweaty hands and feet. Dry mouth and a hard time swallowing. Clenched jaw and grinding teeth. Cognitive symptoms can include constant worrying, racing thoughts, forgetfulness and disorganization, inability to focus. That was a huge warning sign last spring to me. Inability to focus, poor judgment, being pessimistic or seeing only the negative side. Emotional symptoms can include becoming easily agitated, frustrated and moody, feeling overwhelmed as if you're losing control or need to take control, having a hard time relaxing and quieting your mind, feeling bad about yourself, feeling lonely, worthless, and depressed, avoiding others, pulling into isolation. I go to that one. Behavioral symptoms of stress include changes in appetite, either not eating or eating too much, procrastination and avoiding responsibilities, more use of alcohol, drugs, or cigarettes, having more nervous behaviors such as nail biting, fidgeting, and pacing. Maybe you couldn't write fast enough because if I had written down the ones I've experienced, I don't think I would have been able to keep up. So what does that say? What does that say? What do we do with this information? We step back, we examine ourselves, and recognize this without judgment. Your body is not failing you. Your body is telling you something. Did you notice some symptoms that you've been having? Did you notice a few? 
or many? Do you notice that they come when you are more stressed or anxious? Do they show up often? Or have they been beginning to show up more regularly throughout your weeks? Do they show up for a short amount of time? Or are they prolonged? All of this gives us good information about our stress level. The stress that has built up over time, the stress that we collect in this broken world that we live in. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Listen to this. If you are under chronic stress or have experienced trauma, you get stuck in the sympathetic fight or flight or dorsal vagal freeze and fold. Listen, when this happens, it can lead to disruptions in everything from basic life skills like sleeping, self-care, and eating, to complexities like learning and self-soothing. Furthermore, it can leave you in a state of anxiousness and depression, feeling withdrawn from life. This matters. Disruptions in basic life skills like sleeping, self-care, and eating. This may, they may call this basic interruptions. But when there are disruptions in these areas, it's huge. It's huge. Sleep becomes all we can think about when we cannot sleep. Disruptions in learning or self-soothing that we can't soothe ourselves, we can't care for ourselves, feeling withdrawn from life. Those are not minor interruptions. And let me ask you this. If chronic stress or trauma can cause these disruptions, as they call them, do you think it would disrupt your daily relationship with God also? I'm going to say that I have experienced chronic stress and trauma causing me to withdraw, not just from life, but sadly from God too. This is why it matters. Not only do we want a calm down nervous system for our physical and mental health, but also, also to make space for union with God. We must slow down to notice what our bodies are telling us. And slowing down is the key word because it's hard to hear whisper when you're running. It's tough to notice what our body is telling us when we are unwilling to slow down. I know, trust me, I know how uncomfortable it is to slow down. I can tell you stories, message me. I know how hard it is and how uncomfortable it is. But if we keep this pace, at some point, our body will stop us with more severe signals. And I know that to be true too. So then what? What do we do? We recognize what our body is telling us. We take note. We see how we are reacting to stress. How do we even begin to train to be like Jesus when we feel like this? How do we have the energy to make changes? Here is where we have hope. Here's where we have hope. This is our second step. We must realize that when we can't take care of ourselves, Jesus is our caretaker. Jesus is our caretaker. And I am not just throwing that word around. We're going to look at his word. Let's look at what Jesus did and see how he does this. We're going to start in Mark 6. If we look back at verses 7 to 13, before we're talking, we, are, we see Jesus commissioning the 12 disciples to go out on their own. He's telling them to go. And it says this in verse 12 and 13. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointing many sick people with oil and healed them. Now we're going to skip ahead to verse 30. And verses 30 and 31 say this in Mark 6. 
the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not have time to eat. Come, get away. We need rest. They had gone out and done the work of God. I can imagine they were tired, both physically and emotionally. That drains you. I bet a few of them were thinking, but there are so many people still. There's so many people to heal. There's so much more work to do. There's so many people to tell about Jesus. And their minds were racing. Or maybe they felt completely burnt out. Like, I cannot help another person today. I am done. I am tired. This is too hard. Jesus didn't ask any more of them at this moment. He said, come away and rest. He knew just what they needed. He's asked, he's taking care of their bodies and their minds here with rest and pulling them away. If we keep reading, we see that they go away by boat, but people see them and follow on foot and meet them on the other side. We're going to pick up at verse 34 and we're going to read a little ways. Hang with me. Verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So he goes on and he feeds the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. He feeds the people. Pick up at verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat. This is after everybody had eaten and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. I hope you begin to see the pattern here, the rhythm that's happening. Go out, help others, come back, rest, and feed yourself. Go out, help others while still making sure to feed your body well. Then get away, be alone, rest, and feed yourself spiritually in prayer. Jesus modeled this in the way he did things, and he's modeling it in his disciples and the people around him. He could have kept teaching the 5,000. Instead, he knew they needed to be fed physically. This is the ebb and flow of life, the way that Jesus did it, knowing that we needed and he needed to be fed well physically, mentally, and spiritually. That one did not take precedent over the others. One area didn't take the lead at all times, but that each area needed attention at different times. We cannot leave any peace unattended for too long because when we do, that's when our body becomes stressed. I want us to look at one more example because it continues throughout his word. Let's go to John 21. Jesus has already risen from the dead and this is the third time he has appeared to his disciples. The disciples are out fishing, doing what they know, going back to an activity that they knew and they fished all night and caught nothing. And of course, Jesus shows up on shore at daybreak tells them to cast the net on the right side. And what do you know? They catch too many to haul in. Peter swims in to get to Jesus quicker while the other disciples come in on boat and bring the fish in. 
We're going to start reading at verse 9 in John 21. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. He feeds them physically first, because then in verse 15, it goes on to say, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he goes to that whole conversation with Peter that you can read. And this is where he is feeding Peter back up spiritually. He's filling him back up. Could he have done that first? Yes. Jesus could have done that first before he fed him physically. But would it have gone the same for Peter? I don't know. But I do know that he was probably very tired and very hungry from being up all night the night before. Jesus knew that filling the physical need was the top priority at the moment. Do we realize that Jesus cares for us in this way? That he cares that much about our body and our minds? That he would tend to that first at times before our spiritual needs? That just blows my mind. That he wants to feed us well and give us rest. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? Hannah Brancher wrote this in her email newsletter this week. Just this week, she says, I remember looking at Novali, which is her daughter, on her changing table one day and thinking to myself, what can I even give to you? All the things I'm good at, pep talks, crafting experiences, and making people seem, making people feel seen, she didn't need from me. She needed someone to wipe her butt and suck snots out of her nose, and I felt ill-equipped. Meeting the physical needs of a baby is how we show them love. A six-month-old does not need a therapist, a coach, a pastor, or a physical trainer. They need a caretaker. When I read this, I couldn't help but think that I am that six-month-old. And Jesus is my mother. Jesus is the best at pep talks. He's the best at crafting experiences. Amazing. And making us feel loved and seen. I love those aspects of him, but sometimes that is just not what we need from him. Not what I need from him. We simply need a caretaker. And he knows this. And he doesn't resent it at all. He loves us so well that sometimes he simply says, sit down, sit down and eat a meal slowly or come and rest. The to-do list will be there tomorrow. Take a break from the workout plan and come and just walk with me. Come and walk with me. He wants to do this for you. He wants to do this for you. So to train for the struggles is a simple three-step process. Recognize the warning signals. That way, you know when to go to your caretaker. Number two, realize that Jesus is your caretaker and wants to be. Wants to be. And number three, let him. Let him. 
few years ago, when I was in the midst of a lot of trauma and stress, I so beautifully heard God say the words to me, let me love you. Let me love you. Ask yourself, ask yourself throughout your days, how can I let God love on me? How can I let God love on me? Or how can I let Jesus be my caretaker today? The answer is many times the opposite of what I think I should do because he knows better. He knows what I need better than I do. He is my caretaker and he loves me so well. And here's the thing. When I listen to how he wants to care for me, my stress levels come down. I feel more at peace. I come alive to who he has made me to be. I have more space for union with him in my mind, body, and spirit. And then all of a sudden, you know, it comes out of that. I have more capacity to see the needs of the others around me. I care and love for my family and my friends and my community of people better. And it comes more easily. It's not such a burden because I have allowed Jesus to care for me first. So for me first. So this is your homework this week. And I am taking this homework for myself too. And these are the same steps. I want you to recognize your warning signals, write them down through the week, take note of how you're reacting to the struggle. Then realize and remind yourself that Jesus is your caretaker. Jesus is your caretaker. And then three, let him, let him love on you. Let him take care of you. This is how we train and it's ongoing all throughout our days. We will never be done training because in the end, we aren't only training for the struggles, okay? But also so that we live in the freedom that Jesus is holding out to us. There is more and more for the taking. I want more of it. I know there is more. Jesus came so that we could have life and life to the full. And I want that here. If you know Jesus wants to take care of your mind and body and spirit, and you're like me and need a plan, or if you know that without some accountability or encouragement, you won't be able to sustain this. Or if you know and realize in the first step, recognizing that you need to calm your nervous system, but you feel so stressed, so stressed that you can't even begin to think what to do next. I've been there. I've been there. You don't know the next step. I encourage you. I encourage you to sign up for Revelation Wellness's Fall Challenge Project Stress Release. Let Jesus take care of you in this way. Let this be how he loves on him for 21 days. Let this be the start of something new. Truly, we all need this because we will never get to a day where we are done here on earth training ourselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. We will not be done. In this program, we'll be training all of these areas. You'll be making space for God, healing your body, calming your mind, and training so that the next time the struggles come, you will know just what to do. You will know just what to do. And when we calm our nervous system, it makes each day less of a struggle. It really does. I'm telling you that on the other side. It makes days less of a struggle. This can be the way that you let him love on you. Let this be the way he takes care of you. And I cannot end any other way but then praying for us all in this, praying for us. So let's pray. 
Oh, Jesus. Thank you for this message. It was for me. <laughs> it was for me. And I am so grateful that I have gotten to share it with more, with more, rather than family and friends. I pray that each one of us would recognize how you are speaking through our bodies, telling us to slow down. I pray that we would listen. The Holy Spirit would speak to us so clearly on how you want to care for us each day, throughout our days. Lord, we thank you that you love us so well to take care of our physical and our minds, not just our spiritual. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to let you love on us this week and in the coming days. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to look through your chat, share with people um, how you've reacted to stress and the hope that you have in him caring for you. Show, tell us how Jesus cares for you this week. Sign up for the Rev Fall Challenge, and I thank you for joining me. I'll see you again. Bye. Friends, we hope you were moved as much by this teaching from Leah as we were. It's a good one. I'm convinced that Project Stress Relief is exactly the training we need now more than ever. And if you're craving more hope and more peace, if your body is restless and anxious, this training is for you. You can join thousands of members from the Revelation Wellness community all over the world who are training for the struggle of life with Project Stress Relief. Again, you can swipe up to the show notes and you can get registered today. And if this message resonated with you, would you leave us a review on your favorite podcast app? And did you know that you can also leave us a voice message and let us know what you thought? You can do that in the show notes as well. We would love to keep the conversation going. Okay, friends, we will be back on Monday with a brand new Revving the Word. We can't wait to share it with you. We will see you soon. And until then, please stay connected with us in all the places. Peace.